Good morning. I'm so uh, thankful to Pastor Johnson to give me this privilege to stand before this congregation. And, uh, and thank you, um, Grace Hills, for your watch care and uh, loving attention you've given to Allegra. We have uh, instructed those the ones God has given to us, that when you are away from uh, home, you make sure you seek out a church where God's people gather, because that's a safe place. And uh, you make that your first priority, because there are things in life that are going to happen, and God's resource are always his people. That's why he has left us here. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Why would God save me and leave me here? Why didn't he just take me on home? I like to be with the Lord. Well, (laughs) God's trying to teach us a very difficult lesson, which is that we are not here for ourselves. He leaves us here so that we can be witnesses for him that no matter what comes, in life's experience, uh, that with him, we are able to uh, glorify him through the experience and be his instrument of encouragement to others. So I'm so very thankful for the privilege to stand before you today. I, um, I want to introduce my wife, uh, Glodine. There she is. And... Uh, I have three daughters here. One is our biological daughter. That's Allegra. Okay. And then we have two daughters who are um, our adopted daughters. Now, the only thing about that is you can't, when you have adopted children, you can't take credit or fault, whichever. <laughs> But we have adopted daughters who are always in our hearts. We love them, and that's Carol Jean and Lynn. And uh, they mean so much to us. We love them, and they have been so good to us since we've been here. We come here, we're just spoiled. And so uh, thank you, Grace Hills, for your kindness to, again, to Allegra. She has good things to say about this church. And so uh, we are thankful for your pastor, and uh, I'm thankful for each one of you. Now, I went overtime this morning. I don't intend to do that this time, so uh, let me get to the message. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul, in writing to the church at Ephesus, says, submit to one another in the fear of God. Now... I don't particularly like that verse because it precedes the great verse of the Bible, which says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Uh, uh, but Paul says, we are by God's design to be a submitting people one to another in the fear of God. Uh, the idea here is, is that we are to imitate our Lord 
and what he was doing in calling us to himself. I like to think of it this way, uh, that my wife, when we've had talks in the past, in the cool of the evening, when the, the moon was just right, and the, the, those sheer curtains were in the window, and put the special glow up on my face. She said, sweetheart, when did you begin first contemplating about me? When were you, at what point was I the apple of your eye? At what point was I continually always in your thoughts? Uh, and that's, that's a good question for any wife to ask her husband. Uh, sometimes it's reversed. The husband's saying, because he doesn't think what he ought to think about himself. He says, sweetheart, when did you come to the conclusion you could not do without me? Well, that's kind of backwards, isn't it? But it's a right thought for the wife to say, when did, when, when, when did I become a constant thought in your mind? When did you make up your mind that I was the one you were choosing? I believe the scripture helps us to understand that when we look uh, at Job chapter 37, 38, verse 7, some think uh, Job is the oldest of books of the Bible, of the 66 written revelation. And in verse 7, this is what is spoken. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? And when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted with joy. Now I believe this scripture informs the reader that before God created man in his image, God created angels to be witnesses to the one kind of creative work of God. What we're going to talk to you about this morning is the fact that God is an uncommon God. We live in a world that wants to commonize God. You, you've heard this, this expression, God loves, finish it for me. Everybody. Now, I understand we have that kind of imagination. But in Ephesians chapter 5, it says husbands are to love their wife just as Christ loves the church. Now, if I were to ask any man in here, how many wives do you love? If your wife is with you, I guarantee you're going to say one. (laughs) Um. God doesn't have a broad kind of love. Love is not common, but his grace is. God gives common grace. It rains on everyone, doesn't it? Sun shines on everyone. The moon moons everyone. Uh, That's the common grace of God. But Pastor Johnson is your pastor. No one in here would ask him, Pastor Johnson, which one of your wives do you love? I guarantee he would not be your pastor. That's a, you, you automatically assume that he loves Mrs. Johnson. Why? And his affections are towards her. How can we less assume that God's love is less than ours? God loves his bride. It's called the church. And I know that great verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have 
everlasting life. My question is, what about those who don't believe? They perish, do they not? You know, the next verses are wonderful verses. You know, the scripture says God did not send his son to the world to, do, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For those who do not believe on him are condemned already. It's not in the future. It's right now. God's love is narrow. God's love is particular. God's love is very focused. And I believe when we read scripture that because of what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, and I'll read it in your hearing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, what precedes that wonderful statement is these words by Paul. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. He said, this is not written just to anybody. It's written only to the, to the saints. God, the uncommon God, has an uncommon plan that is very narrow, and it includes those whom he has, verse 4 says, just as, he, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God made choice of the ones he chose. We don't know who God has chosen, but I tell you what, he does. And when he chooses someone, guess what they, they know also? They know they have been, they've been chosen. Now, I hope you're here today and, and don't have an overestimated importance of yourself. But listen, you are very important if you know Jesus Christ. You have been chosen. You have been chosen. And this is the purpose of his choosing you. Having predetermined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Why did God do this? Because it pleased himself. Because it pleased him. Do you know the Bible is a book, it's a, it's a love letter. It's a love letter from God written to those whom he has what? Chosen. Because those who have, that he has chosen, they have ears to hear. They have eyes to see. And the ones he has not chosen, they have ears, but they don't. They got eyes, but they don't. Jesus said that. Why do I see? Because he, he calls me to see. Why do I hear? Because he has caused me to hear. Why does he do that? Because he has chosen me. You know what I never did? I never did choose him. Now, some of you, some of you, maybe you're here some of you lovely ladies, some of you handsome men, you've probably been good people all your life. And you always had God on your mind. I've had people give testimonies that when I was pastoring church, you were, well, God was always in my life. Uh, I, I, I've, always, I've always been around God's people, and I've always been about the things of God. Now, the Bible says that's not true. The Bible says you and I came into this world with a corrupt nature. 
A sinful nature. You know what I'm good at? I'm an excellent student at doing wrong. What about you? My mom and dad never taught me to do wrong. My parents said, uh, you know, people say they come from good stock. They had good genes. Uh, I, I had poor genes. I never had Levi's. Uh, so I don't know what kind of stock we had. only thing we had around our house was chickens. No, no calves or uh, bulls or goats or anything like that. Just chickens. So we never bragged about our stock. When I was nine years old, and had by that time learned how to lie and to blame my brothers and sisters for when I did wrong. And I'd been switched many times, and you know what? Didn't, the switches stung, and I said, ouch, and ooch, and, and all the other things. But it didn't ever correct me from doing wrong. There was something going on inside that caused me to do wrong again and again and again. So my mother said, there's no hope for you, son. This is too big for your father and I. You need real help. And she took me down the Romans road, and I got help. Because at the end of that, uh, when I understood what she said my problem was, and I was led in a prayer to the Lord, and asking him to come in and change my life, I received a new nature. She said, You're, you, you, know, you, got, you got something from your father, you got something from me, but primarily it was your dad. You got this corrupt nature. It's so messed up that only God can do something about it. She said, you need to be born again. Now, This uncommon God who is concerned for you and I and demonstrates his concern in John chapter 17, verse 5, Jesus said, Father, store unto me the glory I have with you before the world was. Do you understand before God ever created this wonderful world he's created, only something that, that God could do, before he ever did that, he thought about you and I. God had already determined that I'm going to choose you, you, and you, and make you a part of what I call the bride of Christ. God determined to do that. Do you know the scripture says in Romans, no man seeks what? Nobody seeks after God. Did you seek God before you got saved? No one. The Bible says there's none good. No, not There's none righteous, and that's a requirement to be with God. And so God did something wonderful. God said, let's create. And this is the, this is the design of this creation. Let's create something that can enjoy the glory, the fellowship, the love, the wonderful relationship between the persons of the God and let's create something that can imitate that. And God says, let's create man in our, in our image. Well, everybody, what does God look like? Well, it definitely is not like us. 
God created us with the ability to love, to forgive, and to be forgiven. He created us with the ability to obey and agree with him. We're made in his image. Now, before that creation, God created a whole host of angels, the heavenly host. They saw what God did, and as God created each aspect of his creation, the the, the, not the animals, but the heavenly hosts were saying, wow, wow, God, who are you? You see, they don't know him like we do. They got a lot of who questions. They've seen him, but they don't know who he is. And because of his entreatment of us, they are learning something about what kind of uncommon God is this? Because of his entreatment of man who's made in his image. Now God's purpose in creating man was so that we might know him, know the joy, the fellowship between the persons of the Godhead, which was so wonderful that God said, let's create something that can enjoy what we have. Because no angel can enjoy that. No angel's made in his image. No angel can know the, the wonder and the glory that God has in glorifying one another. God said, let's create something that could enjoy that. So he created man. Who would do this? An uncommon God. An uncommon God had an uncommon plan. It was that we would know him. You know what John said in John chapter 17, verse 3? And this is eternal life, that you may know God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Guess what's missing in all that language? It's nothing said about heaven. God didn't create you and I so we get to go to heaven and miss hell. God did not create us so that we get to, we get to enjoy all the glories of heaven. That is not why he created us. He created us because it pleased him to have someone who would be like him. How many of you know this guy? Well, he's not around anymore. His name was Michael Jackson. You you don't recognize that name. He was a great theologian, you know. Yeah, he wrote this song called The Man in the Mirror. If you know it, don't admit it. But listen, (laughs) the man in the mirror, listen. See, God says, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the greatest in the mall? And we say, well, right now, me. When God finishes with us and we look in the mirror, we no longer see whom? Ourselves. Now, how many of you rejoice in Growing older. I'd be careful saying what I say. <laughs> Raise your hand high. Don't, be, don't brag on yourself. Come on. Any seniors in here? Anybody 50 years old or above? <laughs> AARP people? Yes. Listen, that's something to brag about. Because, I mean, do you see how much better you look now? Well, we know you look better because you don't do the stuff you used to do. Isn't God good? I mean... Guy was saying to me once, he said, he said, hey, Payne, everything working? I said, everything that needs to work works the way it's supposed to work. 
I don't live in Dream Alley anymore thinking about how, uh, you know, how magnificent I am and if, if anybody knew me, how would they desire me? I was, listen, I live in reality. Listen, I don't need to desire myself. I look in the mirror and say, shame, shame, shame. <laughs> so I don't go out to lift weights. I just get myself up. <laughs> Christian friend, listen, we, God, do you see the lesson God's teaching us? As we age and we become more dependent, isn't that a curse word? You live in America. You want to be always be what? Independent. I, you know, I, I remember my seniors in, in, our, in the church when I was parent. They said, I don't mind getting old, but I don't have to depend on my, I don't want to depend on my kids. I said, really? Why do you think God gave them to you for? Because he knew you were going to need them. You think, I don't need anybody. I, oh, I'm so, we brag on people, say, well, they're so independent. They just, you know, they're so independent. We, God said, who, why are you bragging on that for? That's your problem. You've been doing that all your life. When I want you to depend on me, you're saying, God, I don't need you. I can take care of. And I got enough in reserve in case something goes wrong. Hey, I, I, in case something goes wrong, I got to lay it aside. You know what God has to do about that? He always has, because he loves us, he puts us in situations where we can't do without him. John 15, 5, without me, you can do what? Absolutely nothing. And we, we're taught by our society, as much as you can, you, you, you be as independent as you can, as long as you can. And God says, why in the world would you do that? Why do you think I put you in the body called the body of Christ? Why do you think I put you in my family so that I can care for you and others can minister to you and you can minister to them? That was my own purpose. And we war against him on that because we get caught up in being independent of our creator. Now, because I messed up the time this morning, you weren't here, you don't know that, but the pastor was kind and gracious, but my family was not. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave out some things here and get to the, what I want you and I to see. We are to be imitators of Christ. That's what the scripture says in chapter 5. Verse 1 of Ephesians. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. The love of Christ is not about you and I. I'm repeating this. The love of Christ is not about you and I going to heaven. The love of Christ is about, not about his paying the price so we don't go to hell. The love of Christ is about demonstrating the love that was between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and the joy and the glory that they were doing towards one another and the total agreement they had about the fact that they would make a bride and the Father would give that bride to his Son. You know what Jesus said in John chapter 17? He says, listen, he says, Father, I've kept those that you have given me. Do, do you know where the bride of Christ comes from? It's a gift from God the Father to his own son. It's the ones that the Father has done what? Chosen. Now, how many of you would trust your parents to pick a wife for you? How many of you ladies would trust your parents to pick a husband for you? No? Well, sorry about that. 
But Jesus, according to Ephesians, not Ephesians, Are we back? Yes. Okay. In Ephesians, in Philippians chapter 2, if you'll permit me, one book over. Listen to these words. They're almost curse words. Don't you rejoice that you're free in America? Yeah? Yeah. I mean, in this world, we experience a freedom that others desire. People try to get here so they could experience what we experience. But you know what? That's common freedom. God doesn't do anything common, my friends. God doesn't do, say it. God doesn't do common. Doesn't do common. Any of you have relatives? Any of you have parents? Anybody have a mom and dad? How'd you get if you didn't have one? I'm not saying are they living, but you did have parents somewhere along the way, right? Okay. Uh, and you have brothers and sisters alone, and both of you came out of the same alley, and same hospital maybe, and all the remainder of that. Your mom made the same screeches, and uh, maybe you got the same pet. You know, I, I hear tell, I don't know if this is true or not, but good mothers, I'm told, you know, when, when kids kick a mom, you know, you know, some people brag on the fact that they see the, the movement in, in the womb, the child's foot moving or something like that. And they tell me, good moms, and they, they start training them then. Stop that, boy. Uh, 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 listen, train them early, that's what I'm saying. Listen. Now, listen, it doesn't matter if you do that. They still come out wrong. They got the nature of their father. And you know that story about Adam and Eve and, and what happened. I won't go into that. But we have Adam's nature. Romans 5, 12 and following says, it's through, him, through one man's death entered into the world. Listen, sin by him. And therefore, death fell upon all of us. But by someone else who was, he was a type of, talking about the second Adam, Jesus Christ, that was all defeated. God did this by Philippians chapter 2. Listen to what the Word of God says, verse 5 and following. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. Can you imagine God, God, and God fellowshipping God, God, and God creating, God and God having equal power and authority, each one omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, each one having equal everything. One saying, because I love you, because I want to glorify you, because I want to bring... uh, Joy to you, and I want to, I want to bring a fellowship to a creature that they could not know if I don't do it. I'll take upon myself the form of a man, and I'll put myself under your authority. 
Now, see, in our world, we're arguing for equality all the time. Men are trying to become equal to women. Women are trying to get less pay than men. I'm sorry, confusion. (laughs) Children are trying to have equal authority to their parents. I teach ninth and 10th graders. This is what they're commonly saying to me. Mr. Payne, I'll be so glad when I become an adult so I can do what I want to do, when I want to do it, live where I want to live, come and go when I want to go. You have a Hollywood idea about adulthood, don't you? That's the common thinking of men. But we, God has done something you and I so that we don't act like just the ordinary person because we have been, what's the C word? We've been chosen. We're not ordinary. Something has happened. God had to do something to his creature to make him what he intended him to be. And so scripture says we ought to have the mind of Christ and Christ had this mind that though he was equal to God, he says, Father, what is you would have me to do? I totally agree with what you assigned me to do, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to accomplish that. The scripture says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. Here's the creator of the, of, of the known world, enters into the earthly ram, and he comes into the world like any other baby except his father was the Holy Spirit rather than a human man. He did not have the nature of a human being. He had no sin. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin was made sin for us. He never experienced sin. Jesus never tasted sin. I'm trying to figure out, so what was it like for Mary, having been told by the angel who this child was? She and Joseph were the only ones who knew the real truth about the birth of this child, having been informed by God through his angel. What was it like to to rear a sinless child who did everything that was correct? Because he had one purpose in mind, that was to please his father. I I want to make an alley step here, get away from my main point here, just a moment to say this. Uh, Christian brothers and sisters, listen, don't get caught up with heaven. Some people just, just, I I just want to go to heaven. Listen, did you know there there were beings in heaven who left heaven? Satan was there. His name was Lucifer. The Bible says he's the highest of God's creation, not in order, but in beautification. There was none equal to him. He made music when he walked. He led worship in heaven. He walked with God until God says, let us make man in our own image. And Satan said, I don't agree with that God. I don't agree there should be someone that's above me. God put him out of heaven. 
and made him prince down here. You know how much authority Satan has had down here? He said to Jesus, God incarnate. He said to Je- he knew who Jesus was. He knew him in heaven. He said, if you bow to me, I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. Christian friend, sister and brother, don't try to be so independent that you do anything to get more of the kingdoms down here. Do you know who controls these kingdoms? The enemy does by God's permission. What do I mean by God's permission? The Bible says in the book of Job, one day God called the sons of God to come before him and report. And the Bible says, and Satan came also. Satan came also. He has to submit himself to the one true God. And God asked him, he said, Satan, what have you been doing? He said, well, Lord, he didn't say to God, listen, who are you to ask me what to do? I'm a grown-up. I got power. Who are you going to put me in check for? God says, what you've been doing? He said, I've been going to and fro on the earth, (laughs) seeking whom I may what? Devour. Christian friends, God's plan was for you and I to enjoy the kind of relationship that was going on between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it was so sweet, they said, let's create something that can enjoy this relationship that we have. In order to do that, we have to make something in our own what? image. Now, this thing we create will be so dumb <laughs> that he needs some instruction. And the Bible says, God created man innocent. It wasn't that he wasn't intelligent, but he was dumb. He didn't know God. He did not know God. He was like the whole, the angels and the host of angels God had created. Listen, although God created them, they did not know God, except those he set apart called holy angels who could get to know him as they observed his work with his creature man. So in Philippians chapter 2, God says, this man's going to need instruction. Paul says, let this mind be in you that was also in whom? Christ Jesus. Imitate him. What did Jesus do? He was found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What did he do? He did something that you and I don't want to do. He died. Now, God can't die, so how can he die? How can he, does God play tricks on us? No. How could Jesus die? The Bible says he was born of a virgin. He was fully God, but he was fully man. You see, God can't lose anything. God can, he can never lose his deity, but God can add something. God can add something. He added humanity to himself. With one purpose, that he could do for you and I what we cannot do for ourselves. Please don't be independent of your creator. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Every name. 
I shared with you a little bit about my mother taking me down the Romans Road. Three days later in our church, we were having revival meetings. You call them evangelistic meetings today. And uh, at the end of the service, the pastor, the preacher said, anyone here accepted Christ? And I had already accepted Christ, but I had not had voiced that publicly. And I went forward and uh, took the seat that they had up front. And my dad came to me. And he said, uh, my dad was a deacon in that church. He said, he said, son, he said, you know, I, I can do a lot of things for you. He said, but I can't do this for you. This is something you got to know for yourself. Salvation is personal, Christian friend. If you're here and you're not a Christian friend, we don't call you an enemy. But the Bible says you're an enemy of Christ until you get to know him. Salvation is personal. You have to take Christ in for yourself. It doesn't matter if you were baptized as a baby or if you were baptized as an adult. Baptism is not salvation. You got to know him personally. So I became a Christian. God began, he saved me right then. And he's been saving me ever since. And he's going to save me in the future. Listen, he's working on us. He's shaping us into the into the form of his own son. There's only one person God's impressed with in this world, and he's called the son of God. You know what what the Lord said? He said of Jesus, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm what? You know, that was this nice, that was euphemistically saying, but I'm not pleasing the rest of you. See, God's particular about what he does. He's not, he's not a, a, a voluminous God who says, I, I just, um, everybody's good with me. No, you're not. You have to be right with him, not good with him. I am absolutely sure that hell would be full of people who were good people. Not because they were good, but because they're just what the Lord says. He says, there's none good. There's none righteous. What did God get? He who knew no sin was made sin for us. What did he get? He got death. He died in our place. And God is offended with anyone who says, I am an unbeliever. I'm an agnostic. You can give yourself any title you want, but listen, this simply means I'm in rebellion against God. This is what an unbeliever is. Unbeliever is someone who says, God, I know what your word says about who you are, but that ain't so. I know what your word says about who you say the Savior is and who your son is, but that ain't so. I know what your word says about my condition, but Lord, I'm, I come out of good stock. I'm, I'm a good person. I do all things as best as any human being can. So what you say about me ain't so. In other words, you're calling God a liar. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, listen, those who, who do what you do, you're of your father the devil because he was a liar from the what? Beginning. He said God's a liar, and he knew the difference, but he called God a liar, and he practices a lie. And those who are his children practice a lie in the same manner. I say to you, brothers and sisters, and those who are otherwise, 
What God says is true. That's why we just celebrated Christmas. Many, many hundreds of years ago, you know what the Lord said before Jesus was born? He said, there's going to be a son born of a virgin. He's going to be born in a particular place, Micah said. Everything that the word of God said of him was absolutely true because what God says is what he does. John said it like this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Everything was created by him and what? For him, according to Colossians. You know what God did? For himself, not for you, not for me. Why does God choose us? Why does he save us? Because he wants us to know what it is to know the Father and the Son by the work of the Holy Spirit. We can know what kind of relationship they have. And 1 John 3 says, you know, we shall see him for we shall what? Be like him. And we shall see him as he what? As he is. He's an uncommon God because he does it in uncommon ways. He saves not a common people, but people who confess their sin. You know what Paul said in another place? He says, do you know what's in the church? This is not to pick at you, you know what, but you know, you know what makes up the church? vermin yeah see you know I guarantee you, now some of you sweet ladies there's some things you know about yourself and, uh, and only another person knows this God and you wouldn't tell anybody is this true true raise your hand ladies oh it is true okay okay and some of you fellas What's worse than vermin? Vermin to the eighth power? Okay. <laughs> Listen, see, there are things we've done. Only known to us and who? God. We, 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 we never confess this to anybody. Not my best friend, not my worst enemy, not my, not my, my wife. I, I wouldn't tell anybody. There are things I don't want anybody to know but just me. I don't even want God to know it, but he just happens to know it. And I know it. That's what makes up the church. Because, see, no matter how much you think about it, no much you try to do, no matter how much money you give to try to do something about your conscience, we, you know, sometimes we give, uh, we give and do things out of a guilty conscience. God says, no, you don't have to do that. I've got it covered. I've got it covered. Things happen. How many of you watch the news and you see bad people in the news? They report bad stuff, right? You, you hear about some of the, the, the ungodly, un dastardly things that people do. He said, wow, how could anybody do that? And God says, uh, well, you know what? If it wasn't for me, my friend, that's you. That's what you're like. You mean people rape and kill and they violate children? And God says, did you know what? If, you, if, I, didn't, if I hadn't chosen you, that's what you are like. So the Christian's a funny kind of person. We're not common We've been born again. We haven't been fixed up. Now, you know, for years, my wife was so, she still is, but for years, she was so beautiful, she never used makeup. She knew, I, for a long time, I just, I said, sweetheart, don't put any makeup on, you're going to mess up. You, you're too lovely, you're too, you don't put any makeup on. 
And then she had one, two, three, four, five, six kids, and they stole stuff from her. Which time she, <laughs> you know what kids do? They get, they, they start taking stuff out of you. And uh, and she said, "Can I use makeup now?" I said, "Yeah, maybe you need to." So. <laughs> Oh, I pick on her. I love her so much. She knows that. But you see, we fix ourselves up. God never fixes you up. You know that? He'll never fix you up. He says, you're not qualified to fix stuff. You have to be righteous. You have to be like my son, Jesus Christ. That's the requirement to enter into heaven. So therefore, he borns us what? Again. He makes us brand new. Paul says, if any man, woman, boy or girl is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are doing what? Passing away. And all things are becoming new. And the picture of that is aging. I have never lived such a good life until I got 70. Man, when I reached 70, life really started happening. I'd wait and wait for it to happen. I said, man, what's going on with my body? God says, I'm trying to make you like me, son. I got to get rid of some stuff. I'm shutting down some stuff. Things don't function like they used to. You get up, got on a horse, and went somewhere. Lord, help me today. Give me this day my daily bread. Now, you know, I used to say that just because I was saying a religious statement. You know, you know what God says? Hey, it's real, ain't it, son? You're really dependent on me. How? Every day. Lord, I can't make it today if you don't supply my need. He says, but I've been here all along. I've been supplying your need. I will continue to do so. I will never leave you, nor will I ever. I just won't do it. Why? Because the relationship the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have together is unending. It's not diminishing. Isn't that wonderful that God has chosen you and I to a relationship that has no diminishing factors about it? You know, everything about us in this world, we came from the earth, and guess where we're going back to? I hope you don't fear that. Mary and Martha had a little problem with that. They said, Lord, our brother's sick. Get down here. We need you right now. Come and do something. Jesus, I think I'll wait a little while until he goes to sleep. His disciples said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, there's nothing wrong with him. Jesus said, well, no, he's dead. The Jews had a religious belief that for three days, the spirit hung around. He might wake up. Jesus said, I'm going to wait four days to make sure he's dead. I want you to know he's dead. And so his sisters awaited the Lord's coming. And when he arrived, they said, well, listen, Jesus, hear it. And so Lazarus' sister ran out to him and said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. To which Jesus said, don't you know I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me shall never die. God doesn't give you eternal death, my friend. He gives you eternal life. 
And the most you can ever do, brothers and sisters, is you might take a long nap. If a thousand years is one day and one day is a thousand years in the sight of God, I've counted the time my parents have been asleep. They've only been asleep about a half a minute. See, because God's word is what? It's true. It's true. We can fully rely upon him. We can fully depend on him because his word is dependable. What he says is what he does. And who he is is exactly who he is. He is a resurrection. And he's the one who gives life. Jesus Christ became a bondservant. He put himself totally submissive to God the Father and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And he did exactly what he was told to do. Let me read you, and and I'm going to stop after this. In Acts chapter 2, please. Listen to these words. Hopefully this will dispel any myths you may have about who's in control of this thing called salvation. Peter's talking in chapter 2. Verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunken. He's talking about those believers when the Spirit of God had come and they were speaking in the languages of men that they did not know. Since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Now, who did Joel prophesy to? He prophesied to the people of Israel. And I'm going to jump down to verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it's not possible that he should be held by death. Why? Look at verse 23. He was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Why was Jesus Christ crucified by the Roman government? Why was he hung on a cross? Because God had predetermined that. God determined that. And Jesus submitted to it. Why? Because he always wanted to please one person. And that was the Father. I thought it was all about wanting you and I to go to heaven. Well, John chapter 14 is where that comes in, isn't it? Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, listen, don't be over-concerned about the future. Here it is. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Do you believe that? Can you say amen to that? He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be. 
Why do we get to go to heaven? Because that's where our Lord is. If he's on the North Star, I don't care about heaven. I want to be where he is. It just happens to be he's going to be in heaven. And he says, I'm going to be there and I'm going to come and get you too. Why? Because I have chosen you. If you're here and you've not been assured of the fact you can be chosen of God, all you got to do is say yes to him. And you know what he says in his word? If anyone calls upon the name of the Lord, he will do what? He'll save them. If you say yes to him, guess what he'll say to you? Yes. Lord, can I be in your family? Yes. But whatever you do, don't call him a liar. Because what he says is true. And salvation is something he has for those created in his image. You can know Christ personally. You can be in the family of God and know that you are saved. You don't have to wonder, what's going to happen at the end? Listen, I always say to my students, they say, Mr. Payne, how do you know you're saved? I said, because he changed my life. And earlier I had two young people in here who worked with me on this, so I'll just have to do it this way. You know what? All Satan will earn for you is a bill. I want to tell you something. God will never bill you. He'll never do it. But he always will change you. He'll never bill you, but he'll change you. You know why? Because he wants you to know the joy that he has with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he wants you to be just like him. And it takes an eternity to enjoy that kind of relationship. Therefore, he gives you what? Eternal life. May God bless you.